When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Not the Royal Wedding, the Daily Mirror's Republican podcast. I'm Kevin Maguire, and this week's star guest is described on his website as a poet, writer, lyricist, musician, and naughty boy. It is Benjamin Zephaniah. Welcome, Benjamin. Hello, I'm going to try and behave. No, no, don't do that, Benjamin. Uh, Come on, Benjamin, let's kick straight off. You turned down an OBE, Order of the British Empire. Why did you turn that down? You just said it, Order of the British Empire. I've been fighting and writing against empire all my life. How could I take a title, attaches the word empire to my name? Um, And, you know, there's lots of other reasons, but that's probably the main one. What is also important is that I write to connect with people. I started writing because of my experiences of growing up in Birmingham, in Handwerp and Aston in Birmingham. And they were mainly experiences of racism, of bad policing, of disadvantage. I felt that no one was listening to us, so I started writing poems about it. And I kind of started kind of preaching to the converted in a way, you know, in the black community, just reading my poems. And then somebody went, hey, white people can hear this too. And I started to perform for the white community. And then the whole punk thing happened and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I genuinely wanted to reach people. But of course, I had something to say to people in power as well. Um, what I wasn't writing to do was impress government or monarchy so much that they'd want to give me a title. That's not why I started writing. And, you know, some people ask me if they change the name Empire, would I take it? Absolutely not. Because I'm not interested in getting accolades or acknowledgement from the state or the monarchy. Is it essentially a democratic argument with you why you're a Republican and against monarchy? Um... It's interesting because I hesitate when to say I'm a Republican because then people say, well, you know, what about President Trump? If you don't have the Queen, then you could vote him. Um, and there's a part of me that agrees with that. And I say, well, what I say is that we've got to find a new way of doing it. If you're going to have a head of state, let's find a new way. It may not be what we now think of Republicanism. You know... As I get older, um, I'm consolidating my original thoughts, and that is that I'm a revolutionary. And um, people told me that I would mellow, and it's not happening. I am a revolutionary. I think we've got to tear down the whole thing and start again. It's hard for people to imagine. And, you know, at heart I say I'm an anarchist. That's even harder for people to imagine. And and it's, it's, it's hard for people to imagine because we are so conditioned to kind of delegating politi- politics to politicians, you know. We could do it for ourselves, I believe. Um, 
but now we're working in the system, um, we kind of uh, uh, go along with it. But, you know, we can, if we put our heads together, find a new way of doing things. And, and I think that that new way doesn't have a name now. That's why it's so hard to imagine. Um, that new way of doing politics, or religion for that matter, doesn't have a name now. And so I can't refer you to Marx or a book or anything like that. So it's, it's really difficult. But we can, we can clearly see how everything else is failing. And the thing with monarchy is that um, it's the institution of monarchy. It's not the royal family. I've met most of them. And I was very civil to them. You know, I remember I was doing a performance at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, Nelson Mandela was in the audience and the Queen was in the audience and I was doing it with a poet called Mazwaki Mbouli from South Africa. He's a poet that performed at Nelson Mandela's inauguration. And um, a couple of weeks before the performance, they, we had a meeting and somebody said, you know, you come on stage and you say hello to the audience and then you bow to the Queen. I went, no, 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 no. I don't bow to the Queen. I said, I'm not going to disrespect her, I'm going to do my gig, but I'm not going to pay any special attention to her. You know, she will be in the audience. You know. So on the day of the performance, uh, we were having a run-through, and the organiser said, OK, you come in and you bow to the Queen, oh, but you don't, Benjamin. And then everybody went, well, why doesn't Benjamin? <laughs> and then suddenly, when they realised that you don't have to, they went, oh, we don't have to, well, we're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and it, was, it just took one person, me in this case, to say, no, I'm not going to do it. And everybody else will, well, if we're not going to do it, we'll, if we don't have to do it, we won't do it. I won't disrespect them. I, when I met them, I was very, as respectful as I am to you. Yeah. You know, I always say to people, my mother is the queen of Handler, she thinks, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. There's loads of people who pretend to be royal families, you know, mm. and there's... Um, but it's the institution of monarchy that I don't like. It's this privilege. It's this, you know, not having to pay your taxes in the way that we pay them. Your house burns down, we pay for it. Um, it's, it's this kind of um, excess and um, privilege that I don't like. And, and as the son of a Jamaican mum, dad from Barbados, you, you grew up in, 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 in Birmingham, mm. and you suffered discrimination. Do you, do you feel they just don't represent you and don't represent modern multicultural Britain? Of course, I mean, they don't represent me, but you know, they don't represent my, and I'm sorry for bringing it down to colour, but they don't represent my, my, my white friend, Android either, you know. Um, so, um, and you can see them trying really hard, you know. Got Meghan Markle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before Meghan Markle, even with um, Princess Diana, that was seen as, you know, being a bit kind of... But actually, um, and, and, I mean, what, what interests me is when you get... I can never remember their names, Harry and the other one. William. Yeah, turning up at concerts with their baseball backs turned back as if that's to be really cool. And, um, and then... You know, as you said, Meghan Markle, um, and people think this is uh, wonderful. I mean, she's a foreigner and she's dark-skinned. Well, people don't know that, you know, Charlotte was dark-skinned. Yeah, Queen Charlotte, yeah. 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 Um, and also, we've had, um, certainly queens, I'm not very good at history, 
of this country, and I think probably kings as well, that couldn't speak English. Yeah, yeah Germans, the uh, Georges, uh, <laughs> the early George, one, well, two, and three. You know so much. Um, but so, you know, the idea that, you know, the royal family, is, you know, represents England, pure England in its purest forms is a, is, a, is a load of rubbish, but certainly they don't represent me. And the idea that they can um, uh, be, become us because they, you know, one marries a mixed race um, woman. I would love to have seen, and, and, uh, it's, and this is very difficult to say what would happen, but I would love to have seen what would have happened if we chose a very dark-skinned woman from Central Africa. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. That, um, yeah, you know, that's another thing, but mm. I think it would have been a slightly different story. Yeah. And, and you, you know, just to get your initial point, you, you clearly see... I mean, intrinsically, the, the, the institution of monarchy intrinsically entwined with empire. Yes. Um, you know, the jewels that the Queen wears on her crown come from Africa and Asia. Um, some of them stolen or some of them gained by some trickery. Um, and there's lots of other... Um, um, Things that they have in their palaces that adorn their walls, etc., which were stolen. Um, but also, you know, they blessed the ships that went out to slavery, and you know, they, it was all done in the Queen's name. Um, so, yes, it's. It, 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 <laughs> look, do, again, excuse me if I'm ignorant and uneducated, but I know there was slavery. And then, after slavery, there was this whole thing about empire and colonisation. It was like saving face after slavery. And then we have a thing called the Commonwealth. The Queen is supposed to be head of the Commonwealth. Well, the Queen is head of the Commonwealth. She doesn't have to be head of the Commonwealth. Nobody from the royal family has to be head of the Commonwealth. But she's just signified that she would like her son to be head of the Commonwealth. And all the Commonwealth leaders go, oh yes, her son is going to be. Um, if it was a really democratic institution, it would have, you know, it could have gone to somebody else. And also, I think one of the, the, the one of the most basic things about the Commonwealth is that the wealth is not common in it. And you can see that um, with the Windrush, what's happening now with the Windrush yeah. uh, situation, um, that uh, it, it, it's not democratic, everybody's not equal. And actually, I always, one of the things I'm really passionate about, which very few people talk about in politics in Britain now, is the plight of the people from the Chagos Islands. Yeah, yeah. You know? now, now, there's a court in this country, the High Court, that made a ruling that says, that the, Chag the people of the Chagas Islands should have the right to return. For your listeners that don't know, this is an island that belongs to Britain, that was, the, the, they took the people off the island in the 60s and gave it to the Americans to use as a base, as a uh, uh, military base. Um, a court in Britain ruled that the people have the right to return. And the Queen does some fuddy-duddy thing orders in chamber or something where she spins around and overrules the court that's not democratic you know that's hanging on to some um, uh, colonial idea of, um, of uh, well 
how, should, how colonial people should be treated as second-class citizens. Um, definitely not equal. And, um, and, and I think the Windrush, what's happening now with the Windrush affair is, is outrageous. But what's happening to the people of Chatless Islands is even worse. The problem is there's just not that many of them and people don't know about them. Yeah, and the royal prerogative, which allows her to do that, yes. is usually exercised on behalf of the government, but it, it demonstrates that monarchy essentially is, is about absolute power. Exactly. I mean, if, if, it, if the... How can I put this? If the Queen and the monarchy um, wanted to really remove themselves from, polit from politics, they wouldn't need to do that. You know... If it wasn't about absolute power, um, uh, just leave it. I mean, it's, it's a bit like the word empire on, on, on things like the OBE and stuff like that. Take it away if it's, if it's so irrelevant. They won't because it's not so irrelevant, you know. They, they think it is relevant. The, the power that the Queen has is relevant. And were you dismayed, uh, Benjamin, when at the height of the Windrush uh, scandal, mm. uh, the Queen's asked the Commonwealth to make Prince Charles its, its next head. And then he asks a, a, a black Briton, a woman, uh, Anita Sethi, who uh, born and bred in Manchester but has Guyanese roots, he meets her and he asks where she's from. She says Manchester and Prince Charles says, you don't look like Manchester, presumably because of the colour of her skin and she wasn't wearing a Manchester United or Manchester City top. Does that... Does that illustrate the distance that is still there? However trendy they try to be, however many good causes they try to do, the Prince's Trust uh, does some very good work with young people, but essentially that institution is outdated and distant from the rest of Britain. You know, if you'd have said that to me in 1985, I would have said, uh, they like that, but, you know, they've got to get better. They've got to understand what multicultural Britain is like. I didn't hear that story. I just can't believe that they're still saying things like that. I do know that, I'm not going to call any names, but there's a well-known Asian, um, British Asian writer. Um, and she was getting her OBE. And, um, uh, and to get her OBE, she put on um, uh, a sari. British-born. And the Queen says to her, uh, what do you do? And she said, you know, I'm a writer. And the Queen said, oh, this is great. We, you know, you, you, you must come to England. We need more writers here. Wow. <laughs> you know, more Asian writers here. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and the poor woman was just, people don't want to upset the Queen, so she didn't say anything, and she just played the, the Indian writer. Wow. Um, you know, and, and, and that was 15 years ago or so. Um... They are, they are so out of touch. I mean, I, um, I know we're not supposed to be talking politics in the Conservative Party here, but I saw Theresa May the other day driving through London on the A40. Right? She's not stopping at traffic lights, no. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, it's, it's almost as if the kind of higher up the tree you are, the more out of touch you're going to be, because you don't need to stop at traffic lights, because you don't see homeless people. Um, I remember living in Stratford in East London, and there were some 
war that could feature and it was racist and terrible and it was a really run-down part of Stratford. And um, we'd been kind of campaigning to get this area cleaned up for years. Then one day it was cleaned up. And I asked some local people, why, why, how come it's been cleaned up? Oh, the Queen's coming past. All she did was drive past. Yeah. Know, and they cleaned it up just for that. Um, no, I want to live in a society where there's equality, where if you're going to have a head of state, it could be me, you know, not me. Yeah, but, you no, know no, what no. I mean? But, no, you know, it's somebody, look, all right, yeah, not, yeah. somebody looking like you. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. And um, where um, people who are in that position are in touch, are in touch with, um, with the reality of people's lives and, and understand the multicultural, multi-ethnic makeup of our country. Um, and I think if there's one thing that Britain does good, it's multiculturalism. Yep. You know, and, 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 and this is not about black or Asian. I mean, it's, it's about the fact, that, the fact that we have a royal family that's not British and we've got Celts and Juts and all these people that come, you know, for good or bad, um, on the whole, multiculturalism has done really well in this country. Um, but it's despite some institutions. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else I can say on that, really. I mean, it's, well, I think it's really, it's, it's obvious. Do, do you think Meghan Markle can change it from within when she marries into that family? No. I don't think no one can change it from within. I think if you... I think... To her credit, one of the people that tried to change it from within was Diana, in her own little way. Um, I know for a fact that when she really wanted to talk about landmines, they said, be quiet. <laughs> when she found her freedom, she went down and started talking about landmines, you know. Um, Meghan Markle, I heard her doing a, a talk uh, a few years ago about how much of a feminist she is. I look at her now and I go, you're going into a place where you cannot be a feminist. Um, you, 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 you will have to know your place when you join this family. If you don't, it will send you mad. <laughs> or worse. Because is their role, uh, if it's said to be continuity, is, is essentially to keep things the same. You've spoken in the past, I've heard you talk about there needs to be more anger in politics. You've described yourself as a, as a revolutionary. And if you're going to have fundamental change in Britain, change you would argue for the better in fairness and equality and so on, and uh, hopefully people won't be sleeping rough on the streets and, and poor, that if you're going to do that, is, is the royal family a kind of block? And it's almost, you know, because of the demand for deference, it, it's there to expect people to, to accept their lot in life. Yeah, I think there are a... It's interesting, when I watch TV, and um, I think I'm, I'm quite critical of a lot of the mainstream media, but when I'm watching television, um, something happens when they start talking about the royal family. Yeah. It, 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 intelligent people suddenly go, oh... Queen's wearing pink or whatever it is. And it is just about us 
accepting them and so it's kind of normal it's not, nobody questions them to their face I mean that's what needs to happen to their face they need to be questioned they need to be challenged um, because um, if, unless people see them being challenged they will just keep believing that they're unchallenging, unchallengeable is there such a word? yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Um, um, but you know people kind of think that this is the way it is and it always has been like this it hasn't always been like this you know the royal family um, um, Try to keep reinventing themselves. Ah, from France, from yeah, Holland, yeah, from yeah. Germany. You know, it's not. It's it's uh, Michael Rosen, uh, the poet, mm. in a previous uh, not the royal wedding podcast, described it as a as a much broken dynasty. Yes. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, um, they are for the last for as long as I've been alive, and um, that's been quite a long time. It's almost as if, when it comes to the public, it's, they seem to be on a constant battle of um, 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 put it kind of. I'm just trying. I can't think what the, what the phrase is now. When um, when something's gone wrong and you're trying to put on, you know, fix it. Uh, what's that term? Well, you want to sort it, revise it. You want, no, uh, you know. Do you want to tell? You want to tell the truth, essentially. Isn't that uh, what you want to do, Benjamin? Well, I mean, I want to tell the truth, but it's it, it's about like there's this disaster happening in the house, and they're kind of managing this disaster. I mean, I remember, I, I don't know if it was in my lifetime, but again, I can't, my memory is really bad. But the whole thing about it, was it the one that wanted to marry the divorcee? Oh yeah, Princess Margaret. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you were born in '58, weren't you? Yeah, 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 I think it was before you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, crisis management—that's the word I'm looking oh, right. for. Yeah. Crisis yeah. management, um, and it seems like a constant crisis management. You know, um, look. I mean, I, I still say that it's not personal. Um, uh, you know, they—you can't help the family you're born in. You know, I learned this a long time ago. There was a time when I was growing up and I wanted to hate white people, thinking, you know, they all deal with slavery. Then I realised that, you know, they didn't all deal with slavery. There's lots of white people that were against slavery. And then um, I saw kind of racist policies kind of affecting me in my hometown of Birmingham. And I thought um, all white people supported the Tories. <laughs> and then I realised, I remember when I did a gig. And I used to have a poem called I Don't Like This Thatcher. And my mum was at the side of the stage and she was almost in tears crying, saying, please don't do that poem in front of white people. <laughs> and I'd say, mum, there are some white people that don't like Mrs. Thatcher too, you know? And I got on stage and I did it and she was convinced that I was going to be assassinated. And she couldn't understand me and there was white people holding me and hugging me and saying, well done. Um, so, you know... I've learned not to blame white people for all the racism in the world. You know, some white people did it, yeah. and, um, and, and 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 that's it. Um, so I don't want to attack them individually, but they all have the power now, and they always have the they, they always have had the power to abandon this institution. You know, and it's the institution that I'm, I'm against. And how do you feel when you... I mean, yeah, you're a widely travelled man. Mm. You, you go around the globe. How do you feel when people say, because they've, you know, they've watched the coverage from Britain, uh, and it's almost seen Britain as a Disneyland, and they say, oh, 
You must be very pleased with your queen. <laughs> well, I say she's not really my queen. Um, I'm British. Um, um, I'm not a British citizen officially. Um, I'm British subject. Um, and I, I, I wrote a whole poem about this, you know, that me being the subject of the Queen, that means the Queen's sitting at home studying me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, it's, 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 there's one view, well, there's many views of Britain that people will get from abroad which are not true and not realistic, but it's the, it's the, it's the version that's peddled. And there's a part of me, that, to be honest, that's, that enjoys sitting down and telling people abroad about the reality of lives of the people of Britain. Um, and sometimes I might pull out some of my poems or something like that to illustrate it, or somebody else's poems. Um, and I enjoy doing it because it's just opening people's eyes, you know? And usually I'll say to them, um, if, if they have a queen or king, or, you know, do you think that they represent you? Usually the answer is no. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and then they'll go on to tell me why, and then I'll tell them why in, 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 in why it applies to us as well. Yeah. Um, I do understand people feel a need to belong, feel that the image of our country is important, um, um, and I can understand that, but they should open up their minds and be more creative about the way that they, the way that we can express our creativity and express what it is to be British. Mm. We've just got to find a new way of doing it. And I know you've turned down invitations to, to Buckingham Palace uh, events in the past. Could you ever be tempted? What, what would they have to do to get you to go through the gates? A bonfire? Something like that. I don't know. Um, um, I can tell you now, if they paid me a million pounds, I wouldn't play there. Um, you know, there's lots of other buildings which um, I wouldn't go to. There's some I would, you know, think about it, wait up. I remember I used to perform at the Commonwealth Institute. But I think, you know, I can deal with that. My conscience is all right. But the Buckingham Palace, I don't see its purpose. I live in a four-bedroom house on my own, and I think it's too big for me. <laughs> I've got a quarter of an acre of land, and I think, oh, I grow a few vegetables, and this is really hard to manage. Um, so I have no interest in... in, in, in going to Buckingham Palace at all. And there was this period, and oddly enough, it was under Tony Blair's, loads of tea parties with poets and stuff like that, and the Buckingham Palace Lord. And I didn't get it, and, and at 10 Downing Street as well. You know, I think poets have got to be revolutionary. I mean, that doesn't... I, OK, let me... Poets have got to be free thinkers. Poets have got to kind of... Um, be rebels, I think, you know? I, I feel really strange when I see rock and rollers, you know, playing at Buckingham Palace. I like my rock and rollers to be, like, dirty, grubby, uh, get arrested. I, 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 I want them to be dangerous, you know? I don't want them to be kind of hanging out with princes, you know? Um, I want them to be edgy. 
And so but people think it's such a privilege. I, I don't get it. I live in a different universe. Benjamin, thank you very much. You're certainly, certainly edgy. And uh, Benjamin's uh, autobiography, The Life and Rhymes of Benjamin Zephaniah, is out. And you've also got a tour, which you can get details of the gigs you're, you're playing at uh, benjaminzephaniah.com. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you, Benjamin. And can I just say, sounded like a fanboy. I love you as Jeremiah Jesus in Piggy <laughs> Blinders. <laughs> well, you know, I try. Um... But yeah, I hope you come out to see my tour because, you know, I'm doing gigs and I will never do a gig at Buckingham Palace. And um, yeah, that's it. I've got to go now. That's Benjamin Zephaniah by command performance of the people of Britain. Thank you. Right now on Not the Royal Wedding, it's the quickfire 10 questions and answers. And this week's uh, citizen is Stephen Pound, Labour MP for Ely North on the Labour Northern Ireland shadow team. Uh, Stephen, uh, former bus conductor, merchant seaman, housing manager. You did a lot of things before you came into Parliament. Yeah, they kept catching me. <laughs> but you are a Republican. Why are you a Republican? I think the country could do better. I really do. I don't think we need to have a medieval subservience. I think, like most people, I have a huge affection for the Queen, the present Queen. However, that affection does not extend to the institution. As far as I'm concerned, Mary Robinson sorted it once and for all to me. The argument always was, if not the royal family, who? Well, I think we've seen with Mary McAleese, we've seen with Mary Robinson, there is a better way of doing it. And I think this country is actually could actually flourish and have the confidence to strive, to thrive and succeed as a republic. Right, let's cost you your knighthood. Uh, have you ever met a royal? <laughs> yes, yeah, many. Yeah. I met them at the Duke of Kent when we opened a pub called the Duke of Kent. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I met the, the Queen and Prince Philip, and to my amazement, Prince Philip is the same height as me, um, because he just looks a lot taller. Um, just to put him at ease, I wore my Duke of Edinburgh Award badge uh, and my tie, bronze, um, Hammersmith, 1963, and when I came up the stairs to meet him, he said, you know, he said, Duke of Edinburgh, and Palmjit Dand was with me, he said, no, sir, you are, that's Steve Pound. <laughs> and he, he, he looked at me, bloody fool, <laughs> and I thought, I can kind of work with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've met many, and I, I feel for them, it must be agony, they have a sort of constant stream of, you know, have you come far? Have you come far? It's, uh, it's, it's awful, I actually have a lot of sympathy for them. If you were to bump into the Queen later today, what would you say to her? Well, the thing is, you don't bump into the Queen. Um, if I bump into her later on today, I'd say, please don't execute me for bumping into you. <laughs> have you ever sang God Save the Queen? You have to. Um, I mean, the, the point is that you know you, you don't piss in the front of somebody else's church, um, or even your, even your own. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a member of the Royal British Legion, and, I, you know, and I'm quite happy to, to go along with that. I never, ever sing the third and fourth verses of the National Anthem, which are, confound the Catholics, God damn their knavish tricks, on thee our gaze we'll fix, God save the Queen. And all the kings, it was. Uh, God bless good Marshal Wade for when rebellious Scots invade, etc. Et you know, it's shocking stuff. It was written in 1745, admittedly, by Thomas Arne. And, uh, you know, the, the rightful heir to the throne of his country, Charles Stuart, had actually got as far as Derby. Um, took one look at Derby and thought, I'm heading off back to the Highlands. But, I mean, yeah, so you can imagine why they actually wrote it in those terms. But it's still, you know, goddamn the Catholics. No, you know, it's. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, it's triumphalist, uh, and I don't like it. Uh, yeah, even then, particularly now, I'm, I mean, I'm impressed that you actually know. Know the words. Well, I mean, I know the words of the Orange Oath as well, but it doesn't make me an Orangeman. Right. <laughs> and Buckingham Palace, what would you do with it? Turn it into flats or a hotel? Well, my father 
um, was like a lot of people who had fought with the Russians during the last war, who, who, who developed a, a withering contempt for our American cousins and a great affection um, for the man he called Uncle Joe. And he used to sing a song, as did a lot of uh, Mickey Costello and uh, oh, Dominic Beaton and a lot of the old CP boys in West London, which uh, the second verse was something about, we'll make Winston Churchill smoke a woodbine every day, we'll turn Buckingham Palace into a public lavatory. Um, it is now. I'm not suggesting that because, frankly, it would be a bit large for that. But you know, there's, there's such a lot. We can make it a museum of democracy if you're a museum of royalty. You know, there's a lot of decent paintings in there. Um, you know, I think they belong to the nation. Let's rock up and have a look at them. Yeah, I feel this knighthood's going. Uh, if you're if you're hungry, would you uh, prefer a swan sandwich or a Dutchy original biscuit? Well, I probably couldn't afford a Dutchy original biscuit. It cost you ten swans. It's a very I tend not to tuck into swans, by and large, um, I think. By, and mind you, Dutchy Original Biscuits, I mean, pretty pricey, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see you down weight, Rose. <laughs> uh, what's the best thing we could say about Prince Charles? Um, what's the next question? <laughs> best thing we can say about Prince Charles is that, you know, he, he has um, brought in a lot of environmental issues to the fore. Um, he's, unfortunately, I think he's now... There's now more negative about him. His, his rather charming antediluvian affection for um, you know, anything that was built before 1851 used to be quite attractive, but now it, it just looks as if there's an absence of thought there. Um, it, it's, it's a strange thing because, you know, in America they don't have a royal family, they have the Kennedys. And in a lot of countries where you don't have um, royal families, you sort of miss the gossip. And uh, I think the latest book about him is pretty re- revealing. That's a Tom um, Bauer biography. Tom Bauer, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean we, we all knew that there was a, a royal toothpaste tube squeezer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the fact that there is, he's got some sort of medieval title, you know, sort of toothpaste squeezer pursuivant or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. No, I mean, I, I think he, he, he... I feel sorry for him. He was sent to Gordonston... Um, which was, you know, basically cold it's without the pleasure, and, and it was a sort of hellhole, you know, the big public school up in Scotland where, where the Duke of Edinburgh sent him. But um, I think anyone who chats to marigolds can't be all bad, but on the other hand, I think, what's he actually done with it? What's he done with this, you know, the, the opportunities he had? And it's fascinating that the, you know, Her Majesty is not going to let go of the reins, is she? You know. Um, Clinging on for dear life. Well, it's a sort of Arsene Wenger situation, isn't it? Except, to, but you know, unfortunately, in this particular case, they aren't rising up at Highbury and saying Queenie out. <laughs> As you know, there's a uh, flotilla of Tory MPs who would like to spend a hundred million pounds on a new royal yacht. What would you do with that money if you could uh, designate it somewhere? So I mean, look, I mean, almost anything. I mean, obviously, the health service. I mean, I'd give you know, a decent rise to some of the, the nurses in the health service. But you talk to anybody in the navy, they don't want the, the Royal Yacht again. The Royal Yacht is a complete, utter waste of time. He never did really anything. So nowadays, it's such a prime terrorist target anyway. I can't believe that anybody apart from the uh, Conservative MP for Romford would take that seriously. And to be fair, nobody takes him seriously. Yeah. Uh, is Meghan Markle a good catch for a fusty institution? I'd be interested to see what she thinks of it. I'm not, it's, quite, it's an extraordinary one in many ways. And I think there is a certain sort of Markle sparkle in there. But um, she's, you know. It, in some ways, she bespoke the end of the monarchy because the the old idea when you, you had to be a, a virgin of royal blood and all that business was part of the architecture, part of the structure of the monarchy. That's what they did and that's what they were. And all the stuff coming out about the Duke of Cambridge, you know, who married an actress and they had to actually sort of make up um, these sort of medals and things for him because he would, couldn't get them because he married this, this woman who was, you know, um, from the, uh, the other side of the tracks. So by showing that a commoner can marry a prince and using the word commoner in that 
sort of, sort of medieval sense. I think it just shows the irrelevance of the, of the royal family nowadays. It just shows that that magic circle no longer exists, and the magic circle is in fact permeable, penetratable, and something of a, a sort of imperial calendar. And what will you be doing on the 19th of May when there is that little event in Windsor? Um, my daughter's also getting married. No! Oh, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> yeah. to your daughter. Uh, yeah. So it's actually really not the royal wedding, but it is a yeah, wedding. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Oh, fantastic. And who would you vote for as the first head of state in a democratic Great British Republic? <sighs> killer question, killer question, mate. Um, it, it would have to be Kevin Maguire. Oh, no, no, look, I mean, you're a very... Well, uh, very... Stephen Hawkins is dead. Yeah, it's a shame, <laughs> isn't it? He would have been yeah. fantastic. Yeah, no, it would have been. I mean, something like George Orwell would have been absolutely brilliant. I'd love to see Nye Bevan. But, I mean, um, in, in, in present terms, um, you're just sort of casting yourself looking, looking around. Of course, the great thing to do would be to actually nominate Jeremy Corbyn just to see how he declines. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, King Corb. King Corb, yeah, yeah. There's a certain <laughs> ring there. Some people think he is King Corb, of course. <laughs> Indeed. You know, um... I'd, I mean, funnily enough, the person who could do it best, the person who could actually bring sort of the regal imprimatur to it, or the person that looks as though she's been doing it, and not, it's not necessarily Helen Mirren who could slip into it quite seamlessly, but Barbara Windsor. Barbara Windsor for the monarch of the nation. Queen Babs. Bring it on. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Pound, uh, that's brilliant, thank you. I think we've uh, cost you a knighthood. I'm now worried about your freedom. <laughs> and this week's fact from the Republic Campaign Group is on the cost of royal visits. One of the many hidden costs of the monarchy is incurred by council taxpayers when royals visit their town. Local people are regularly forced to pay for a range of costs, including staff planning time, policing, road closures, renovation, cleaning, food and drink, photography, floral decorations and flags. This means that a royal visit can leave local taxpayers tens of thousands of pounds out of pocket. The Queen's visit to Leicester in 2012, for example, cost the City Council over £85,000. There's no such thing as a free wedding. Thank you for listening. <laughs>